0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: Driving on that man's wet
0: on the wheel. It's Talking in Circles.
1: There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With
0: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My
1: baby calling and I need you here.
0: And John Harlow. And
1: a half past four, and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I'm Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow here tonight. We're breaking down. The first state of 500 from Martinsville Speedway last week. We'll preview Texas Motor Speedway this weekend as well. Also, let talk about Jimmy Johnson. He's got a new sponsor for 2019 and 2020. We'll discuss that. Plus, Camping World Truck Series race. Johnny Sauter completely dominated. He goes into the Final Four at Homestead, Miami Speedway, as does Joey Logano. He led 309 laps in his victory at Martinsville. 917-889-8280 to join the show. Anytime tonight you can dial that number, you'll get into talking in circles tonight. But let's talk about it, John. The talk of the week so far was the move Joey Logano pulled on Martin Truex Jr. Logano had the fastest car for most of the day. Truex had a better car on the longer run, 33rd. Got the track position, got up there, passed Logano with two laps to go. Logano then uh, moved Truex out of the way coming off of turn four. Got underneath Martin Truex Jr. and went to victory lane at Martinsville Speedway. A lot of people didn't like the move. Um, I thought it was a short track race. And what was your take, John, on Logano's move there at the end to get him into Homestead as we get ready to end as the season comes to a close here in 2018?
0: If it was a black car with the number three on it, the name Dale Earnhardt on top of the uh, driver's door, everybody's going, "Oh yeah, we got Earnhardt!" Come on, folks. Joey Logano did what he needed to do. He's getting paid a lot of money by Roger Penske. He's getting a lot of support from Pennzoil and Shell to win races and race for a championship. Nothing wrong with putting the bumper to somebody, going into turn three, and get them loose. It's not like you put them in the wall. They both spun. Neither of them wrecked. I mean, they both got loose. Neither of them wrecked. And Joey beat them back to the finish line. It's racing, folks. That's what they do. It's not follow the leader to the finish line. It's try to find a way to get to the finish line first. Joey Logano did nothing wrong in that deal. He did what he needed to do to win. Now, if Truex has anything to be ticked off about, it's like quit failing freaking inspection before the race and starting 33rd instead of sixth. If you start sixth, you're running away with the damn thing. So it's on them. I'm tired of all this Truex sales inspection on a regular basis. Cole Pern hasn't been suspended yet. I mean, he's he's turning into making, he's making Chad Knauss sound like a choir boy as many times as that 78 car has failed inspection this year and last year. Don't fail inspection and start 33rd. I don't care if you started tail end Charlie. Oh, what a great show. He came up and finished second, and Joey knocked him out of the way for the win. Start six like you were supposed to, you would have been a half a lap ahead of them. It's bullcrap. Matter of fact, I'm to the point now, they failed, 78 failed inspection so many times this year. I mean, I wish NASCAR had the ability to park them. But because of the damn charter system, they're guaranteed spots in the race. If you're at a local short track and you come and you fail, what, six times this year or something like that, if you come and fail six times out of the season program, they're going to say, thank you for coming. Don't come back till you can get your crap right. A boatload of other cars. Yeah, there were six or so that failed. But Harvick passed. Kyle Bush passed. Uh, everybody else in the playoffs passed. But Martin Truex Jr. I'm sorry. It's on them for the reason they lost. Don't blame Joey Logano. Don't start 33rd. No, I agree. I, I think
1: when you look at Logano, too, he had the best car of the day. There's no doubt about that. Led 309 laps, uh, was was a front runner all day long. You know, one stage two, finished second in stage one at Denny Hamlin. It was really Hamlin and Logano, I think, that were really, really strong all day long. Kyle Busch was up there, too, for most of the day. And we mentioned mentioned Shrek started in the rear, was able to work his way up. But on the short run, he wasn't nearly as good as that 22, but as – he was on a longer run. Truex was able to close the gap on a longer run. We showed that at the end, but listen, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, he didn't go out there and completely wreck him. He wasn't, wasn't like he was on the gas when he touched his bumper. He was off the gas and, and sliding into the corner and said, I'm just going to get underneath him here, and we'll drag race to the start-finish line. I thought that was a fair move. Truex, um, I understand he's a nice guy. Races people clean every single lap of every single race. I understand that. But this is short track racing. We don't have enough of this in stock car racing anymore. And uh, maybe that's – I think we've maybe forgotten the rules as we've gone on here uh, because we just don't have a lot of short tracks anymore. So uh, especially slow short tracks where you can lean on each other and and bump people out of the way, it's really only Martinsville left. You know, Bristol's a, fa- a fast racetrack where aerodynamics play a little bit of a role. Same thing as Richmond. Martinsville um, – they really don't come into play at all. So uh certainly a uh a interesting race and Logano gets some credit here, John. That's one I think. You, you know, they came off a terrible season last year. Um one at Talladega. that was it. But he's in a homestead now due to the way that Martinsville they built they built a great race car and, and they shouldn't take nothing away. He was really, really fast all day long and uh I, I think you look at it and say, um if you're a Joe Logano fan you're you have you got to be proud of what they put out there. Uh, on Sunday at Martinsville Speedway. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, I think it was a great run by Joey. 309 laps led. Um, Last year, for some reason, that 22 car turned into a dumpster fire after they had their encumbered win at Richmond, and everything just went downhill from there. I think whatever they were doing to the car that NASCAR said don't do anymore, they couldn't find a way around to get it to where it felt like that had the speed in it again. So they were out the lunch a lot last year. This year, they've been competitive. I mean, Joey's been top five, top seven in points throughout the year. And now with Joey winning at Martinsville, it kind of threw a screw into the works. Because if you were thinking about it, it was probably going to be the big three and another Stuart Haas car is what everybody else was thinking. Most people were thinking going into this uh, round of the playoffs. I mean, Kurt Busch is up there. Um, Boyer ran decent until he spun. Almirola's got some work to do. But you were thinking it was going to be the big three and probably another Stuart Haas car. And it turns out to be the big three possibly. But right now Truex and Harvick are tied for fourth or third in points and Logano's locked in. So right now it's Harvick and Truex tied on the bubble. So in reality it's Truex on the bubble. And we'll see how it goes from there. Well, actually Harvick's on the bubble because Truex finished higher this round so far. But – logano has got a shot at Homestead. He's locked in. If I'm, if I'm Joey Logano, I just show up at Texas and I show up at Phoenix because the only thing they really care about the rest of the way, unless they can get wins at both places, the only thing they care about is Homestead because everything that they are looking at right now is the championship. These two races mean nothing to Team Penske unless they're looking at gathering playoff points. But at Homestead, it doesn't matter. They're in. So I just sit there ride around – uh, collect daisies, uh, look at the fans, wave to everybody as you're sitting there 10 laps down because you really don't care. Because the only car that matters now at Team Penske is the 22 car that will be hauled into Homestead-Miami Speedway for the final race of the season.
1: And, boy, this is something that you look at and you say, for the people who uh, are sort of down on the playoff format that we have at NASCAR currently, um, this is a win in a, in a driver and a team who could certainly you could certainly look at it and say do they really belong in Homestead? Sure, they've had a better year this year, but they haven't won a lot of races compared to Kyle Busch or Martin Truex Jr. or Kevin Harvick. You know, the big three should be do a lot of people feel like should be duking it out for the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway, and then maybe you know we've seen Kurt Busch show some flashes at times. We've seen. Uh, Clint Boyer showing show some flashes. Brad Keselowski, who no longer is in it, but he even showed some flashes with three straight wins in the middle of the year. Chase Elliott, for sure. But Joey Logano was never a guy on somebody's radar, ever, uh, as far as winning the championship. Sure, sure, you can say, well, he might pull off a win. Um, it's not like they're they're completely out the lunch, but they have no business being in the championship. And yet here they are winning at Martinville Speedway, which is a track that, like I described earlier, is a track that we don't really have another one like this on the Cup Series schedule. So for him to go out and win at Martinville like he did, uh, it throws a real wrench into a lot of people's thoughts, and I think it, it makes those people who set, take, you know, maybe we put too much emphasis on one win at one racetrack uh, to get in the Homestead Miami Speedway, you know, it, it gives those people so- something to say about it because you can certainly understand uh, what what those people are talking about because. It certainly looks like, um, you know, Logano is going to be in his playoffs with just one win at Martinsville in in his Final Four.
0: Yeah, he's locked in. There's nothing touching Joey Logano, And if I'm – I mean, Team Penske is doing every piece of engineering, mechanical ability, everything they're doing, they are focusing on that homestead car right now. I wouldn't be surprised – I mean – Yeah, they're going to go out and try to win because that's what race teams do. But in reality, I don't think they're putting any effort into the Texas or Phoenix car now. All they are doing at the shop is massaging, doing everything they can to make that Homestead car perfect. Why else would you? Why do you care about these two races? You go and you show up because you have to. But the only race that matters to them right now is Homestead. Because they have a chance for Joey Logano to win his first cup championship. And one of the things that's really interesting that I it just blows my mind is Joey Logano is the youngest driver to hit 20 wins. He did it at the age of 28. It's hard to believe that Joey Logano seems like he's been here since forever, and he's only 28 years old, and he's already at 20 wins, which yeah. is really impressive at that age. But he's been in the series 10 years. It's just crazy to think like that. Um, it, it, if it, as we go it, forward, how goes. Mm-hmm. one of the things you look at, if you're one of the four that's not in the top four right now, the Kurt Bushes, the Chase Elliott's, the Eric Almarola's and the Clint Boyers, especially with the way Texas is running right now where it's like a groove and a half track because it still hasn't widened out since the repave and the redesign. How much is pit strategy playing into effect this week for those four drivers? Because they're to the point where it's winning. It. They have to win to get in. Because they're already like twenty-five points behind the cutoff, so that's half a race right there. And I don't think you're going to finish tenth, and Harvick and both both Harvick and Truex are going to finish thirty-fifth the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how
0: how they play at Texas.
1: Uh, a couple of other drivers from from Martinsville I want to discuss real quick. Um, Kyle Busch, you know, Denny Hamlin ran good. He finished second. It was a, it was a solid weekend for him. I think. If you're a Denny Hamlin fan, you feel pretty good about that. We talked about Truex, but Kyle Bush was fourth, and it was a good day. I'm not trying to to frown upon this at all and say he didn't have a great day because he sat on the pole, did everything he needed to do, but it just seems like that 18 car right now, what I always say about the four, I feel like the four has enough speed to win a race whenever they want to. Now, you can say they went out to Martinsville this weekend and didn't really run that good. That is true. Harvick wasn't Harvick like we saw at Martinsville, but I'm not that concerned because I think we saw a lot of speed from him and he was the best car, the fastest car at Kansas a couple of weeks back. My concern is Kyle Busch. You could say he finished fourth. Why are you concerned about him? Because he's going to need to do better than that at Homestead. And it just seems like that 18 car right now, no matter what week, third to fourth to fifth, that's right now where they're finishing where, you know, back in July and August, uh, it's just first, like, second, third. Right. They were up in the top of two or three every weekend. So are you concerned about where that eighteen car is?
0: Um again, I'm not I'm not overly concerned yet. I'm thinking about if I'm uh, Joe Gibbs racing and Kyle Bush's team. But whenever they seem to have the ability to turn it on when they need to. And Kyle Bush has that ability to drive those mile and a half tracks. I think right now, Kyle Bush, he knows if he finishes top five, all three races, unless three different people get in and win, that are in the top eight, Kyle Bush is going to make it through to the show. I mean, you look at it right now, him and Harvick and Truex have a 25-point lead over fifth place. So if they just keep their nose clean, go forward, I bet you they're massaging on that 18mms car for Homestead as well. They're putting a little more effort into Texas and Phoenix than – uh, Joey Logano's people will, but I think Kyle Bush is going to be fine. He usually always is. You're right. Kevin Harvick does have the speed. It wasn't the typical Martinsville for him, but Kevin Harvick's never been a really good drop, never really great at Martinsville. He's been great on the mile and a half, and he owns Phoenix. I mean, they might as well call it Harvick International Speedway because he's won. I mean, you look the last 10 races at Phoenix, Harvick has averaged a podium finish. So I'm not all concerned about Harvick, especially considering he won at Texas earlier this year and he won at Phoenix earlier this year. So Harvick, I think, is going to be fine. The one I'm worried about more than anybody's Truex. And it's not just because he's um, ticked off about finishing third. He didn't have the fastest short run car. He didn't have a good long run car. I'm worried about the way Cole Pern does things, about how they continue to fail inspection. You go to Phoenix, and it's a uh, do-or-die race for them, and he fails inspection and starts 38. And Phoenix is a ungodly short race. I mean, it's 312 miles. In reality, Martinsville is a shorter race. So it's only 250, but it's 312 miles. It's a lot faster than Martinsville. There is a lot less carnage than there is at Martinsville. So it's not like they're going to be able to play the uh, – get track position on pit road and all that stuff, they're going to have to work their way through it. At Phoenix, it's a lot tougher than it is at Martinsville. I can't agree with you more.
1: 917-889-8280. If you want to join the show on Talking in Circles
0: tonight, like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. What do you got for us tonight? Hello, guys. How you doing? Hey, guys. Oh, good to hear from you, Lee. Hope you're having a a good night, buddy.
1: I am, I am. I, so I, I thought about the. I, I love what Harlow said about the, um, the Logano move there. I, 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 we've become soft as a society, in my opinion, on this. And, and I know Truex is upset, and I think drivers in the past would have been upset, but I, Joey didn't wreck him. You know, there's a big difference from what he did to Matt Kenseth at Kansas to and what to, to what he did it to Martin Truex Jr. at Martinsville. Um, you know, he moved him out of the way. And I think we're under underchanging the fact that, you know, Joey was on older tires and was on the outside for most of that run and raced Martin very cleanly and held his own there and was still able to get back and touch him. And, and Brett Moffat was on the late shift this week and said something really interesting. And he said, you know, I respect Martin. I like his family and everything else. But then the point of that is don't let Joey Logano get back to your back bumper because if you do, you got to expect to be getting hit there. And I think part of the frustration from Truex is you guys were talking before – the lack of speed that's been in the 78, you've got to wonder how confident he is going into Texas. And, and I know, oh, the lack of speed, but they're not as strong as they once were. I think that's pretty obvious. And, and I think that's a part of the frustration from Truex where he saw an opportunity to advance, and it didn't come, and they're not as confident as they once were going into Texas. Absolutely. I can't agree more. I think on Amala half, especially, that 78 is just not where they were. And I think maybe Toyota's maybe t- taken a, a, a step down. You know, we talked about Kyle Bush earlier, and it just seems like that 18, and it's not that he's horrible. It's just that he's just not as great as he once was early in the year in a mile and a half. So that's where I look you at it wonder You've got to wonder, say, wonder um, how much of that relates to the relationship between Fernando Toro and JGR going South and, and whether or not that's affecting things right now. I understand everybody's saying, well, you know, Toyota and Truex is going to go, Truex and Perrin are going to go to Gibbs next year, and they don't want him. I still think that there could be some animosity between the two teams and how much is going to be rela- relayed from one team to the other. Um, maybe the 78 isn't getting as updated chassis as they once were. I understand it's all Toyota and they all want to win a championship, but I think Joe gibbs Racing looks at it and says, we want to win a championship with Truex if Kyle Busch can't win.
0: So, I, The one question I have, Lee, if you think about it, how many times has that 78 failed inspection had to start tail end Charlie? Is this five or six now? And if Truex doesn't start 33rd in the field and start six where he qualified, Joey Logano, I don't think gets a chance to get to his bumper because he's already checked out. I mean, Truex would have had running up front. If he ran the race that he ran starting six, not 33rd, he's not well, right there battling Joey Logano so, for the win.
1: Yeah. We had a laborious caution there. You never know what would have happened on that restart, but you know, they got to get that figured out, and I think that's part of it too. You know, they look at it. He's looked at it and says, "I came all this way. I drove up all this way." And I think part of that also leads to Truex's frustration, where when you're coming from 33rd at a track like Martinsville, you're bound to piss somebody off and or get upset over the course of the run. And I thought Jeff Striegel, who never makes good points, who's usually very lost, said something pretty interesting this week and said, "You know, how many people did Martin Truex Jr. move out of the way coming from 33rd to 1st? Over the course of the race, probably quite a bit. So why is it not acceptable only on the last lap? Uh, I think if we, if it should be more acceptable, it should be more acceptable on the last lap. So, uh, you know, I think it's just Truex honestly being a kind of a big baby here and and you know losing the race and having being a sore loser and you know you got to understand that these guys are doing what they have to do to win.
0: And Lee, if yeah, and it I was a black car with a number three, good wrench on it, and that same move happened. How crazy is the crowd going? Uh, the fan, the fans are amazing, aren't they? Because this is a how
1: many of these fans who, you know, around thirty years ago who were booing Joey Logano would have cheered Dale Earnhardt and defended him till in a sword fight over a move like that, over moves much worse than that, over the Terry Labonte much move, worse. which was the dirtiest move in the history of NASCAR racing, in my opinion. And they defended him, and so it's amazing how many things. Uh, change over the course of 30 years and have people forget, because that would have been very acceptable to Earnhardt fans 30 years ago. For sure, I totally agree. Liam, I got your take on something else here. Uh, no doubt the race in Martinsville was interesting and, and we're going to talk more about the playoffs a little, a little bit, but I think one, probably the most interesting bit of news that come out in the last couple of weeks is the sponsorship for Jimmy Johnson. Um, a lot of people were surprised, myself included, I did not expect them to get a full-time sponsor for that car, let alone for the next two years, and that's what happened. Ally Financial is going to step up and sponsor number 48 Chevrolet next season at Hendrick Motorsports for the entire schedule for the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Um, what were your thoughts? And now, you know, there is a little bit of a of a backstory there. Ally Financial is TMAC rebranded, and uh, Jimmy Stevens a longtime partner for Hendrick Motorsports. But still, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson and Ally Financial coming together for the next two seasons? As a man, person who lives, eats, sleeps, and dreams and loves this sport more than any, more, almost more than anything in the world, other than my family, this sport is second and love it. And I'm not afraid and ashamed to admit it. And I'll argue with anybody it's greater than anything out there. Um, it was a breath of fresh air because I was certain that this wasn't going to get done. I was certain that this wasn't going to be a full-time sponsorship. And what I really liked about it was they didn't pull it from somebody else. My concern was, okay, they pull Caterpillar or something like that from another smaller team, and then that team has to fight for a sponsor. And we've seen that countless times before, including with Caterpillar. So you wonder – you're happy that it goes in that direction. Now everybody's like, well, it's a business. The business deal. Does that really count? Listen – Shell Pennzoil is a business-to-business business deal. Every other sponsor of Brad Kislowski's car, other than Miller Lite, is a business-to-business business deal. That's just the way things are done right now, and I don't care how it gets done. I'm happy it's done, and I'm happy it's full of the full schedule, and I'm happy it was out from outside the sport a sponsor that wasn't here that's coming back in and seeing value with a 42 year old driver. I think that's wonderful.
0: One of the things that I read, Lee, is uh, they're looking at probably getting about the same amount from Allied fi- Allied Financial as they w- as they got from Lowe's, which is pretty close to $30 million a year between activation and all the other stuff. And one of the things, if you think about it, Allied, um, about three-quarters of their business is car loans.
1: Right. And Rick
0: Hendrick is probably the biggest car dealer in the Southeast. So, yeah, it's a great business-to-business partnership if you're Allied Financial. Uh, Rick Hendrick has a great history with them. Brian Vickers won the, uh, back then the Bush series championship with GMAC on the hood. It was Ricky Hendricks first sponsor. So, and, and Ricky even said when they made the announcement, there's still a lot of the guys from GMC or GMAC who are still in the leadership positions at ally financial. So it's almost a coming home of that sponsor and it really means a lot to Mr. Hendrick because that was his son's first sponsor when Ricky started driving. So I think it's a great move on that part. Um, While we're talking about silly season, Lee, and we got you on the horn, you're always a wealth of knowledge. The Tyler Reddick move going from junior motorsports to RCR. I was talking to Clayton before we went on the air, and I'm thinking it's a step backwards. What do you think?
1: I think you could say that, but at the same time, John, and I I agree with you at this point, it does look like a step backwards. Matt Tift made a similar move last year, probably from a team that's that's maybe even better than Junior Motorsports. With you know, he was at Joe Gibbs Racing last season, In 2017 he was, and he's been better at RCR in 2018, in my opinion. You know, he's still alive in this playoff round, which I never would have guessed. And maybe you know, I know Matt Tift's a year older, and you know, uh, has a year more experience under his belt than he did a year ago. But to me, I look at it and I say. Sometimes you need to make a move like that, and I understand Junior Motorsports is a great race team. And but they have four race cars. Sometimes I think they're spreading themselves too thin um, with certain resources, and I think you've seen that at times. Maybe that the, the nine is paying the price. I know the seven has run exceptionally well with with uh, uh, with uh, Allgaier, but they were worrisome of being eliminated last round. So you got to wonder if running four cars, and they weren't going to go to four cars until very late last year when Annette signed, um, if that spread them a little too thin this year. Redick's alive still, and he's run pretty decently. But if it wasn't for his win at Daytona, I don't know if he would have made the playoffs because they were not running that good at all. So I understand it's a step back, but if you're Redick and that's what you can get your money on, RCR is still not a bad Xfinity Series team. The 21 car is a very good car. Daniel Hemmerich is a very good driver, and, and Danny Stockman is a very good crew chief. So if, if that's who he seems to be replacing is Redick, I'm not necessarily saying it's that much of a step. might even be a step up because there's only two, car, two, three full-time cars at RCR rather than four at Junior Motorsports, and where is he in that pecking order? He'd probably be fourth at JRM next year, depending on where the pecking order would fall. So um It it could be a lateral move. It might even be a little bit of an upgrade if you look at it from that sense. But if you're looking at it from, okay, Hendrick Motorsports versus RCR, I understand where you're coming from for sure. Well, the other part you're looking uh, at
0: uh, with Tyler Reddick, he was with Ganassi part-time last year, full-time ride with Junior Motorsports this year. And I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. It's like Jimmy Johnson's got two years left on his contract, and that's probably going to be when Jimmy Johnson goes away. They bring Noah Gregson in to junior motorsports, which is the farm club for Hendrick. And Noah Gregson's almost probably your penciled in replacement for Jimmy Johnson whenever Jimmy Johnson decides to hang up the helmet. So it might be that Tyler Reddick sees a better chance of getting the cup going to R C R than he does staying at Junior motorsports.
1: Yeah, I I also think too, um I'm not sure Reddick's sponsorship they might have given him a good deal this year. Um because you know, Sadler was fully funded. Allgaier is fully funded. net is fully funded. Um, Sadler's sponsor is going away. I'm not sure what kind of the money is with the switch deal with with Gregson. It's probably pretty good, but I wonder if they gave Redick a deal because you know on his car this year a lot has been Nationwide Children's Hospital. There really hasn't been a sponsor there, so um, it, you wonder if they gave Redick a really good deal and they walked up to him and said, unless you can meet this price next year, we can't renew. He took his money over to Richard, and Richard said we can do it for that price Welcome aboard. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think when you look at it from the surface, like John said, and like you've talked about it, it does look like a lateral, uh, a lateral move at best, if not a step down. So for junior motorsports, uh, Lee, you know, when you look at it from, from the standpoint of um, them and, and what they're going to do for the 2019 season, you know, they came out this week and said they're looking for a quote-unquote funded driver for that fourth car for next season to replace Reddick. And when you think about the funded part, you got Trevor Bain and and Advocare sitting out there. Jeffrey Earnhardt tweeted something that he might have something in the works here coming up that would make the Earnhardt family happy. Um, Is there anybody else I'm missing? And and what do you think about that ride to replace Reddick next season in that nine car? Who do you think are other options besides maybe uh, Bain and uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt? Well, I think those are the two guys. I don't think there's really anybody else out there. I'd be shocked if somebody came with some money. Um, if it's Bain, listen, I, I, I hope the best for him. Uh, I like Trevor. I understand his performance at at Friendly Racing has been awful. And last, you know, he ran at Kansas and was just horrendous. And, and you know, it's you can't – I'm trying to be as nice as I can because Trevor's a really good guy, but their performance has been awful this year in the six. I understand why he got replaced, but at the same time he got screwed. You know, He was promised a full-time deal, and he got pulled out of that for a great driver in Matt Kenseth. I understand that. And Matt's improved it, but not to a point where you think, wow, the driver's really bad there. So if it is Trevor Bain, um, I, I hope the best for him, and I think it's a good move. A guy that's shown us at times he can win races. He's got a winning cup. I know it's a Daytona 500, but he's got a winning cup. And he's a guy that maybe you could see it as sort of like a career resurrection where he might still be young enough to get back the cup one day. On the other hand, if it's Jeffrey Earnhardt, I like Jeffrey. I think he's a great guy. Boy, he's never won a damn race in his life. And if he goes into that nine car, I I don't think they make the playoffs next year. I don't think they even come close sniffing the playoffs next year. Uh, Jeffrey's got – I know he's 28 years old. He's going to be 29 next year. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. He, He is not a great driver. You saw the performance uptick and even at the double zero car this year when he was replaced, I think you'll see a significant uptick in performance this week in the 96 with Parker Klingerman behind the wheel rather than Jeffrey Earnhardt. I know he's got money. I know he's an Earnhardt, but he needs to run better. He has not impressed me at all on anything that he's been in. Johnny Davis Motorsports a few years ago he did not impress in. So he's been in some decent rides. Johnny Davis Motorsports, everybody's like, oh, he's never been in anything. Johnny Davis Motorsports is is a pretty respectable Xfinity Series team. They're not going to win races. But he has to do better than he did in that car years ago, and he never did. So there's a lot that goes into it, and I like Jeffrey. He's a good guy, and I hope he does well, and I think he'd be great for the sport if he did. But I just don't see it happening.
0: Hey, Willie, while we're playing silly season, let's put the crystal ball out. Where do you see uh, Ross Chastain going next year?
1: I heard he could end up in the one-cup car if the Kurt Busch deal falls apart, which would be shocking. And if you look at Kurt Busch now and the way he's running with the 41 – uh, you've got to scratch your head of why in, the wor- why in the world he would leave for Chip Ganassi Racing, but I think it comes down to money, and I think that deal is done, and I believe Jim Otto's reporting, and I believe that deal's been done for a while. So, And I don't believe that the deal's going to fall apart. I heard it might be. I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe everything is signed, and they're just waiting to announce, you know, when Suarez goes and where everything else goes. I think they're waiting to announce all this stuff till the end of the season when you're in a playoff run. You know, it wasn't... Uh, coincidence that when Jimmy and Chad announced they were leaving, it was after Jimmy got eliminated from the playoffs. So, I think once these guys get eliminated from their runs, you'll start to see what they're doing. Truex and Kurt Busch. Um, that puts Kurt at the one for sure. Uh, and what was the second part of your question, John? I'm sorry.
0: Ross Chastain. Oh, and Chastain if he doesn't end up with the, the one... Full, I, think what
1: he you... goes, I think he goes full-time Xfinity with Chip Ganassi Racing in the 42 car. Um... He impressed. He won a race in that car. Um, and I just think Ross is a guy that I know a lot of people aren't happy with the way he's raced people in the past, but he's been impressive. I mean, we uh, just talked about Johnny Davis Motorsports. He made the playoffs at Johnny Davis Motorsports, and I think he would have made it regardless of the win he got. He would have made the playoffs. He beat Michael Annette at Junior Motorsports, which, like we've talked about, is a four-car Xfinity Series team aligned with Hendrick Motorsports. He beat them this year fair and square and would have made the playoffs over Michael on that. that is extremely impressive, uh, no matter who you are. And Chastain's a guy who's battled, and he's grinded. And I think he's going to get this opportunity. I think his story's a cool one. I think D.C. Solar likes him. I think Chip Ganassi likes the hard nose, the guttiness, the take-no-crap attitude that I think we're missing in this sport lately with a bunch of spoiled rich kids out there who know they're going to keep their ride as long as Daddy keeps footing the bill. Ross Chastain knows he's not going to keep his ride if he doesn't run up front and win races. And Daddy won't keep footing the bill. And Daddy doesn't really—I mean, Daddy funds him a little bit, but I think what's going to get them his Ganassi the ride is talent, not necessarily funding. And that's great. And I think that's what's selling him on a lot of things because he has that attitude that we need in this sport—that proves it can win races, not just some rich kid crying every single time he loses and blames the equipment and the crew chief.
0: Well, one of the things we saw also, like John Hunter Nemechek, uh, whenever Chastain did win in the D.C. Solar 42 for Ganassi, everybody's like, well, why can't John Hunter Nemechek win? And then he did. And now there's, I mean, you read about him possibly going to GMS now that Spencer Gallagher stepped out of the car. I think it's a great move if they do that.
1: John Hunter, I think he's gotten a sour taste from some people from some of the things that he's done. His attitude to me is up and down. There are times where I really like him. There are times where I look at him and I, some of the things that he does and I go, man, he's like a sport rich kid. And I love Joe. Joe is a tremendous guy. His dad's an unbelievable person. He's been tremendous for the sport. Joe Nemechek has never rubbed me wrong in any way whatsoever. But there have been times that his kid has rubbed me wrong. How many times do we see a kid rub you wrong uh, of, a, of a star or a guy like that? And, and I think sometimes you know, he needs to realize that daddy's not going to foot, keep footing the bill for him. Um, I think there have been times where he's looked like a spoiled kid at times. And I, I, you can say what you want. I think John Hunter's got a lot of talent, but that's what I've, I've seen from him. And, and I think that has soured some people on him, especially that movie pulled to Canada a couple of years ago with Cole Custer. Um, I think, you know, and it's going to take us a while to get rid of that stain, but if he can go into the 23 and get a full year under his belt, we can really see his talent. And that's a team that's looking to go cup racing in a couple of
0: years. Yeah. And I think it'd be a good thing to yeah, start yeah. off of.
1: Yeah, and John mentioned uh, GMS and, and John Hunter. That's been the rumor here of late. And uh, today there was another rumor flying around Reddit and uh, other places on the Internet and Twitter, included, uh Justin Haley, who ran the uh, truck series this year for um, GMS Racing. And now it looks like he might be going to Calig Racing, according to uh, a tweet um, for next season. Now, Calig, Calig Racing excuse me, has... Um, there's been rumors that they're going to go to a two-car operation. You know, they built they're building a new shop with basically the intention of running two teams out of that shop. So you know they're going to add a second team there. Ryan Truex had a decent year this year, but I wouldn't say he did anything spectacular in that eleven car. Um, so there's rumors that Haley's going to go to College Racing next season. They got an affiliation with RCR. Um, what are your thoughts there? And do you think Ryan Truex keeps his ride? First off. What the hell are these people thinking? We've seen this over and over and over and over again with these young, young drivers make the jump before they're ready. And I think Justin Haley's doing that. Uh, Justin's had a nice year in, in the truck series this year. He's still alive in the playoffs, had the win at Canada, ran really strong, probably should have won that race in Daytona in the X30 series, but that's Daytona. And, he needs another year or two under his belt before he gets into a, a premier ride in the Xfinity series. I know his uncle is Todd Braun. I know he's got a lot of connections and a lot of money behind him, but this is big time stock car racing. And you're going to, if you, there's a lot of people out there, you know, veterans that are looking for rides, et cetera. And I'm not saying that they deserve these rides over him, but you're going to get pushed around by these guys. And if you're 19 years old and 20 years old, and you don't have that reputation, it can really ruin you. We've seen it with Joey Logano. We've seen it with, countless drivers and you know this is a kid that I really seem to like I think he's got a little bit of talent I think money has gotten him definitely where he is but he's, he's proven he can win he's proven he can run up front but I don't think by any means we look at Justin Haley and go that kid needs to be in the Xfinity series next year like we do with a Brett Moffitt um, and another year or two in trucks wouldn't kill him he's only 20 years 19 years old making the jump too quickly is a, a positive, is a thing and we've seen it kill people in the past and I certainly hope it's not the case for Justin Haley, but I have to say I think it is. As for Truex, if they go to a second car, I think he keeps his ride. If not, maybe he's an option for the 9 at Junior Motorsports. He's got some money. I don't think he's got a ton of money. I think what got on the ride in the 11 this year was some money, not a ton of money. Eventually, you know, his the the C-Watch and all that stopped being on the car. So, you know, it only got him so far with the with the money that he's got. Um, we'll see where that some money takes him. I think he'll have a ride next year. He's done. He made a playoffs this year. You know, I think he got further than Blake Cook did, which I think Blake is what, did just as good a job in that car. But um, he'll end up somewhere because he's got the funding behind him. Depend. I don't know where exactly, and it's going to depend what that money can buy him.
0: So if Cole Custer ends up in the forty-one, which may or may not happen, because we also have the, the rumors of the Daniel Suarez going there. Yeah. Do you see Stuart Haas making the 98 more full-time, or do you see it being the once in a blue moon, especially since Harvick saying he's not running Xfinity anymore?
1: Well, if, if Custer goes cup racing, Briscoe is going to be the double zero full-time. I don't think, though, that Custer is going cup racing. I think Stuart Haas is doing the right thing and seeing all those precautions with these young drivers who looked good but you know could be good one day, but let's not rush them too soon. And are looking at it and saying, hey, we don't have a sponsor for this kid. You know, Gene Haas is funding almost all of that car, which is fine, but you want to maybe get that funding in Xfinity before you can go cup racing. Um, and Cole needs to prove that he can run up front and win races, and he's he's still alive in the playoffs, but he's only got a win, and that was last year at Homestead. So he needs to prove that he can do better. Um, I think he stays in the double zero, and if I had to guess, I would imagine that Nutra Trump steps up big time for – Chase Briscoe, who I think is a great driver, and they run that ninety-eight full time next year as well. Interesting. That, how about that? Be uh, great to weekend, see. How about this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway? Um, you know, we talked about Martinsville, and Martinsville was such a interesting race because, it, let's face it, we don't have that slow, short track where you know uh, mechanical grip is, is the premium and aerodynamics mean virtually nothing. We don't have those anymore, other than Martinsville Speedway on this schedule in the Cup Series. So it's sort of like an outlier. I almost look at Martinsville like I look at a super speedway race because you say it's a lot different as far as the talent to win, but it's just the fact that it doesn't really translate to Texas, Phoenix, and Homestead, or any other racetrack for that matter. Um, so I guess my point is, what do you expect to see? Who do you expect to be fast this weekend at Texas? Um, and do you think... Logano will be able to carry his momentum. You know, John talked about maybe him, you know, them coming to Texas and Phoenix and not really uh, giving a, a full attention to that car because they're focused 100% on Homestead. What are your thoughts on, on Logano's plan and, and Texas in general as we get ready for this weekend here starting tomorrow? If I had to guess, and I think I'm right on this, I think the team's finished up their homestead cars this weekend, so from here on out, they're done. They work so far ahead that I'm pretty sure they're done uh, with their homestead cars, so I'm not sure how much it would affect them going to Texas um, and, and going forward here with the 22. They haven't had the speed on the intermediates that you would hope. They've, what got them through was they were extremely consistent early in the year, um, and they've had good enough they've done good enough to get through. That's what got them through, and then the Martin Zilk gets in the homestead. Um, I think you're going to expect more of the same sort of like a Terry Labonte type of guy that the 22 was, uh, you know, looked off almost the whole race, and then in the final 50 laps, there he is running a fifth or a sixth every week, and that's basically what he's done. I think you could to expect that from the 22. I'd be stunned if they went out there and showed a dominant performance. I think the guy you got to watch this week, and I know I'm going out on a limb and saying this is Kevin Harvick, um, you know, had the race won at Kansas and screwed up, uh, did not run strong last week at, at Martinsville by any stretch, and he won this race last season. And really what was kind of their coming out party and kind of showing you, hey, we have this Ford figured out here at Stuart Haas and we're gonna give you guys a whooping next year. That was kind of the coming out race last year, Texas. Um and I think Kevin is the foregone favorite to win this championship right now, with the what I've seen from the eighteen and the seventy eight this lately. Uh and I know I know Kyle finished second at Kansas, but that was that was a strategy second place it was not a speed second place by any stretch so you know i look at it and i say harvick is the favorite i think kurt bush could be a guy you could watch i'm high on the shr cars i think two of them are still going to make it through to the round of four even with joey winning i think one of the big three gets eliminated and if I had to say, and I know Harvick is going to get through, I'd say the other guy that gets through is Kurt Busch, who's been real strong this year. It's the best year Kurt's had in a long time. I think mentally he's better than he's been. I can't believe, you know, he did a truck race the other day in the, in the booth in the in the, uh, in the radio booth, and I looked at the person I was sitting next to, and I said, "Is this the same Kurt Busch?" I, you know, you never would have expected it. So he's mentally he's in the best place he's ever been, in my opinion. And I think he could be a, a real threat for this, and I think it could start this weekend at Texas.
0: Now, I wonder, Lee, since you said Kurt Busch is probably in the best place he's ever been and he's stronger than heck, and him and Johnny Klossmeyer are starting to um, – Billy Scott, yeah. Oh, yeah, him and Billy Scott are really starting to get their on the same sheet of music. I mean, they've been – I mean, if you look at it, going into the playoffs and everything, he was probably – what was he, fourth or fifth in points overall for the season. So it yeah. wasn't like he was sitting back there in 11th place and made it through. I mean, he was fourth. And they've run great all year. It's just that Harvick and Kyle Busch winning seven races each puts it in a whole different planet. But I think you're right. right. I think Kurt Busch is somebody who could be somebody to really pay attention to this week at Texas. They run good on the mile and a half. All the Stuart Haas cars have run good on the mile and a half. And I think Harvick is the one to beat. I think Harvick for sure is the one to beat at Phoenix. But if there is a Stuart Haas car other than Harvick that pulls it out this week, Kurt Busch is the one that you probably put your money on if you go to Vegas, but if like, yeah, say, for example, the Kurt Busch makes the final four, do you see him going back to Gene Haas and say, oops, sorry, I, I wasn't thinking let's keep this together. I think, deal, or,
1: I think it's like what, like when Tony fired Darian Grubb before he won the championship, the deal's done. You can't go back and say no. You know I mean? Tony, after he won that championship in 2011, he probably would have said, man, that was really stupid to get rid of Darian Grubb because we ran real strong there in the final 10 races. Um, but it was done. And then you don't look, then you look at it and you look like an ass if you bring them back, especially when you're the driver and the owner. Um, and, and so Kurt, I think, would be in the same way where, hey, I'm out. And I think it came down to money. Honestly, I don't think it came down to performance. I not think it came down to anything. I think Kurt's looking at, okay, I'm 39. I've been here 18, 19 seasons now. Um, it's And I'm looking to ride away into the sunset. I want to get paid what I deserve to be paid. Uh, I think, Stuart Haas said, we're going to pay you this. I think Chip Ganassi said, we'll pay you this much more. And he said, let me go to Ganassi and get paid that much more. Hopefully turn around that program at the one, because the driver they got there right now doesn't seem to give a damn. How about Chase Elliott, Lee? I mean, uh, here's a guy who is the lone Chevrolet in the playoffs, Phil. Um, You know, he's he's certainly um, shown that he can win races now. You know, bam, bam, bam. He's won three in the last, what, ten races. Um what do you think his shot is at Texas and Phoenix coming up? I mean, we've seen this nine team. They've shown a little bit more speed here, but do they have the raw speed to catch the four, to catch the 18? What are your thoughts? I think they do to catch the 18. I don't think anybody has the raw speed to catch the four, um, and that's my opinion, uh, you know, and I think the, the nine has a chance to win this championship. I think they have a chance to win at Texas. But like like I've said, you know, they wouldn't have touched the four at Kansas had Kevin not spent on pit road. Nobody would have. Um, and so, uh, you know, unless Kevin steps on it again this week and, and, and screws up, I think he's the ball found favorite. Now, something happens, a, a loose wheel, something like that happens, uh, and it's anybody's game, in my opinion, in the nine and the 18 and the 78 and the other and the, the 41. I think they can go out there and run up front and win this thing, and the, even the two. Uh, but I think at this point, it's Harvick, and if he loses, it's a cloud of a whole bunch of other guys at these intermediate tracks. I just think they've been that strong this year, and it's going to be the same when we go to Homestead. How about the Truck Series race at Martinsville this weekend? Johnny Sauter, was your winner? It's Brett Moffitt, Mike Snyder, Ben Rhodes, and Kyle Benjamin, your top ten. I mean, Johnny Sauter, is is he the I mean, is there anybody that can challenge him right now, do you think? I mean, Moffitt's going to some speed. They're getting a, they're getting a new engine this weekend at Texas. That's right. Uh, who else do you, do you think can compete with Sauter for this championship? Because he went out there at Martinsville and a race that, you know, basically would eliminate – he needed, he won and basically eliminated any doubts that he wasn't going to compete for the championship and just put a whipping on him, let 148 of the 200 laps, just completely dominated the event. Uh, Sauter Moffitt, who else do you think can compete for this championship in the truck series? Sauter and moffett i love the move that they're going to the nt1 spec engine i think they realize they've been getting beat at times with this um the the 16 truck that is in moffett in my opinion uh i think they're a team that can really run up front brett has shown he can win when it counts when it matters when it needs to he's sort of a throwback like chastain no but no bs kind of guy has had to grind away for every single opportunity he's had in this sport doesn't have any money behind him and this team has been resilient you know and and they lost their driver Ryan Truex like mid January and had to f- scramble quick and find Brett Moffitt, and they're here and they've been real strong. I think he's an op- I think he's a guy that can run that can challenge Sauter. Uh GMS has got a ton of money behind him. Johnny Sauter is another guy who's you know at one point in his career was starting and parking his second Xfinity Series car for Derek Cope ten years ago and he's here now in the Truck Series, winning competing for championships and dominating races. That's what happens, and that's the resiliency that you need to have when you're when you're a guy in the truck series. He's won a championship before. He's not ancient, and that truck that team is clicking on all cylinders. Um, Matt Crafton just doesn't have it. That 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 88 truck. I'm surprised they're even here. Uh, like I said the other day, I think if there's a team that could shock us and come out of nowhere, it could be them, but they haven't shown that they've had that speed all year long since the fire. That team has just been not very good at all. But these truck series come down to late race restarts a lot, and it could be anybody at at Texas, but if I'm going to put my money on somebody, it's going to either be the 21 of of Sauter or the 16 of Muffet and nobody else.
0: Yeah, I think, Lee, you're right with the uh, uh, Matt Crafton deal. And the other part is not just the fire at Thor Sport that put them backwards. I think the very, very late switch to Ford, what was it? Mid-January, they announced they were switching to Ford. So, I mean, they probably didn't even have their fulls together. They probably still don't have their full stock of trucks together yet. I mean, they bought some of the old Brad Keselowski trucks and stuff to get them started with Ford. But I still don't think they are even have their hands around what the Ford truck does compared to the Toyota they ran forever. Um, And it's something interesting you brought up there, Lee. You look at Brett Moffat and what he's done and how – I mean, he was supposed to be the bright superstar whenever Michael Waltrip Racing was there. He was the um, up-and-comer, and then Michael Waltrip Racing fell apart. He ran a little bit for uh, front row. But where do you see Brett Moffitt next year? Do you see him staying in the truck season- series, or do you see somebody give him a shot in the Xfinity?
1: Boy, I hope somebody gives him a shot in Xfinity, John. I would love it because I think, he would, I think he'd turn heads. I think he's a tremendous driver and as much of a dope as Michael Walter proves to be every single time you see him on television he has a, he had an eye for talent you know Michael McDowell's a very good driver he had Josh Wise there who turned out to be a very good driver and this kid Moffitt is the be- is is one of the best drivers young drivers in the sport right now the problem is uh, he doesn't have any money behind him and you know talent can only get you so far and he's going to have to grind much like Ross Chastain for every single opportunity he can get, and honestly, the only reason why Chesting got the opportunity with Johnny Davis is because he had a little bit of money behind him with the watermelon deal, and he's proven he can run up front and run strong. And now it's that's led to a great opportunity with Ganassi. It looks like next year, um, Brett to me had Toyota behind him. I think they still, I think they're still behind him, but he's getting a little older, and I think they feel like Christopher Bell might be a better option. Um, I would try and stay put with the 16 if I can, and I, I would. Keep that in the back of my mind, and I wouldn't take anything under a Johnny Davis Motorsports and Xfinity to go run. But if it comes down to where the 16 says, hey, we're going to hire this guy, and you don't have anything, get seat time and go drive for somebody. Don't do what Drew Harring's doing and just you know, not even having a career. Go f- drive something and prove what you can do, and if, keep, your, keep your career going. Keep your fingers in the sport because something could happen where somebody ends up injured or something, and they look at it and say, who are we going to hire? Oh, Brett Moffat's already here and you run strong and that can lead to an opportunity. Um, So keep your fingers in it. If the 16 deal doesn't come back, but try and stay put. If that deal does not turn out to be as good next year, then go elsewhere. But uh, he doesn't have any money behind him. So I'm not hearing his name linked. And that's extremely unfortunate because he's got a world of talent.
0: Okay. I'm going to really mess with everybody's head. Let's look at 20 at the 2020 thing, because that ought to be about the time Joe Gibbs is ready to bring Christopher Bell up. Where does he go at Joe Gibbs Racing? Also, it's the year Kyle Busch's contract up, but I don't see them walking, letting Kyle Busch walk away. Hey, so that probably somebody, means Christopher Bell goes into the eleven. Where would Denny go?
1: I'm not saying I'm not saying that that you know. That Kyle Bush rumor that came out this year about Kyle Bush Motorsports going cup racing, I think it's got some legs. And you know, I think a lot of people misinterpreted it and said, oh, 2019. I think it could be for 2020. I think Kyle's putting his ducks in a row, trying to get some money behind him. Gibbs likes to have an affiliate, but I think he looks at it and says we, also, we need to have an affiliate team running. Toyota wants more teams. Um, if Kyle, which I don't know why in the world you'd want to start a cup team, but Kyle's got enough balls to do so. And I think he, if he were to bring somebody aboard, and Monster could, you know, if Kurt retires and walks away and says, Adios, Sayonara, and Monster decides they want to stay in the sport as a sponsor, they were with Kyle before they were with Kurt. So maybe they could end up back over there. But uh, I, that Kyle Bush Motorsports deal might have some legs, and Kyle could go drive for them. If that's the case, that opens up the 18 and a couple of other rides if he wants to take somebody else with him to Kyle Bush Motorsports in a two car operation. So. Don't say that that's not going to happen, and don't think that's not my, not going to happen, because I've been hearing from several people that that deal could be happening for 2020. Yeah, that's interesting, and and I'll tell you, Toyota's going to have to do that. I mean, I don't mean to, to to rag on Toyota here, and we've been talking about this for a while, but man, they have so many good young drivers in that field right now. With Todd Gilland, you can even put in there, Greg's in there losing to Chevrolet this year. Um, you know, They lost William Byron, they've lost Kyle Larson, they've lost Bubba Wallace, they've lost Countless of dry, countless lists of drivers, and if they don't find a way to get, they're to going to lose Bell, Bell too if they don't find a ride for him. They're going to lose Bell. They're going to they're, somebody's going to go up there and steal them from them, and they have to figure out a way to get more teams in there. And I think that was part of the reason why I kind of scratched my head when Furniture Racing decided to sell their charter and get out of two car operation. You know, now we know that Barney didn't want to put any money into it at all, at all. So then you can understand, you know, when this team shutting down. But, um, you know. Toyota needs to, I think, maybe sort of shuffle their the way they do things a little bit and say driver development is a great thing in this sport. I mean, they got Echies now uh, who's going to be in that car. It could be in one of those trucks next year. You know, they have a lot of, of good young drivers. Todd Gilliland, Harrison it Burton. shuffle up a little. Harrison Burton, yeah. Maybe shuffle up a little bit and say not put so much money in driver development because we have a good young family. Even Ryan Priest, Lee. Ryan Truex is a guy who Toyota helped really save his career and give him an opportunity here, and now he's going to Chevrolet with with JTG Daugherty. So uh, another uh, driver there. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you say they have to sort of figure out a way to get their young talent and premium equipment. And if you're saying what, what you know, it, it would make sense. You're right. Cobb has the guts to do it. He has. The the motive to do it I think he'd be crazy to do it Because he's running so good But who knows Maybe Toyota needs to look at this and say This is how we're going to get our young kids And good equipment Because they certainly have a lot of drivers And a lot of great young drivers But they just don't have a lot of room for them right now And, and Kyle's like Tony in too. my opinion he may, Kyle's like Tony in my opinion He loves this He don't want to step away from it And he may want something to
0: uh, have
1: After his driving career is over and in my opinion, that's what this could be behind for Kyle, just like Tony has, where Tony, you know, he's got Gene Haas there with him as an investor, and that's, that's a big-time opportunity for Tony. He's going to be making money as long as, you know, that team is running with, you know, he's making money off of that deal. And I think Kyle wants that in the, in the future as well, so I think that's part of the reason why he's starting. he might start that team up. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Toyota does, and I think you're right with the driver development. Nobody else is doing it, and all they're doing is just saying, let Toyota develop these guys, and we'll just pay them, pluck them from Toyota, and that's what's happening.
0: Yeah, the closest thing you have to anybody else that might be a Ford development driver is Chase Briscoe, because right. everybody Jeff, else is... Roush,
1: but, but is Ford willing to step up and do that? I mean, you know, I, I think I think the Nutritrom's deal is going to really be- back... A lot of uh, a lot of Majes- uh, a lot of uh, Briscoe, and I think Gene Haas is going to invest in that as well. I don't know how much of that is "quote unquote" Ford. Um, they did fund the 60 car this year, but that was an off a dreadful opportunity. Uh, and, and you know Austin Cindric wrecked more cars than you could think about, and it, they just had a terrible year with that car this year. Um, and I think Briscoe a good driver. I think Majeski's a good driver. I think Cindric is awful. But um, you know, I think Ford had that deal there, and they were, they were trying to funnel some guys and keep them going. Uh, I don't think Majeski's going to get a full time ride next year. I hope he does. And I think Briscoe is going to be a lot of Gene Haas and all of that behind them. But I think Ford took their money out of Kislaski's team and threw it to that 60 car this year. And they're going to spread it out again next year to some of these younger kids. But that's in the Xfinity Series. if not in the Truck Series. And Gibbs has a full time, has a good Xfinity Series program. So that it may not necessarily be needed in the Truck Series. And honestly, for the betterment of the Truck Series. I'd love to see that, to see, you know, I know Kyle Busch Motorsports may go away, but that, to me, would level the playing field even more in the truck series.
0: Well, and I'd the other part I was know. wondering is, if you think about it, and we're talking about the driver development part, Toyota still has four or five different young drivers who are coming through Keith Coons' Keith midget program, the same midget program that produced the Kyle Larsons, the same people who produced the, the Christopher Bells. There's still three or four more coming through Keith Coons' midget program, they're going to be ready to go Maybe truck even. racing yep. whatever in a couple of years. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you could just fund a truck series
1: team and be a, be a support, a manufacturer supporter, and not necessarily throw as much money as 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 you are accomplished motorsports. You know, tell the Tory, Hey, we'll 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 give you some nice and manufacturer backing, kind of like what Ford did for Thor Sport this year, and not necessarily uh, you know throw a ton of money at it and still have some very good competitive truck teams. Truck series teams. For sure, I mean, um, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly a lot to think about, and Toyota to me, again, it's just a shame because you have a lot of these young drivers who are good, even Suarez, they're going to let Suarez walk, and and you can say, well, you know, Suarez hasn't had a good year for sure, but, you know, Joe Logano was sort of the same way, where he struggled very badly at Joe Gibbs Racing, and then, bam, found his way at Team Penske, won a lot of races, and has become a championship contender, like we know him today in 2018, so um, you know, and if Toyota just had a better a, a team to go to, you know, to put Truex in even, you know, Suarez could have stayed in this ride. It would avoid a lot of, of bad PR even. You know, I, that's the thing I, that strikes me most about Suarez, and we might lose our live audience here in about 90 seconds. Uh, that's the thing that, that strikes me most about the Suarez situation, which get is racing, is how honest Suarez and open is, he is. You know, he basically came out and said this week, I know I've learned a lot about people. Um, you know, and basically sort of making it out like Joe Gibbs Racing sort of isn't the the, the great, you know, nice team that everybody makes him out to be. Uh, and, and it just seems like there's been a lot of bridges burned there. Suarez is very, very unhappy. Um, and, you know, this all is prevented if you have a place to put Martin Truex Jr. And, I, and listen, I don't blame Joe Gibbs Racing for what they did. I think they had to do that. First of all, you keep Cole Pern, who's a great crew chief. Who's, who's got a lot of your notes and you keep him in a, a competitive ride uh, in a place where he's happy because you know some, you know, the 41 probably would have taken Cole Pern in a second and Mark Strix Jr. in that package in a second to, to replace Kurt Busch. Um, so, you know, again, this is where not having enough cars sort of faults you because you get not only bad PR, you lose Suarez just to keep Truex and Cole Pern around because they're out of a ride. So, Um, Certainly, uh, I think something that that Toyota needs to look at um, moving forward is is adding teams.
0: Again, I, I I trace this back to the downfall of Michael Waltrip Racing. If Michael Waltrip Racing doesn't crap the bed and go under and Rob Kaufman doesn't say, okay, I'm running away, if they don't have the big scandal from Richmond where Napa pulls away and the sponsorship's backing down, there's a place for Truex to go. And Joe Gibbs racing has their four car team and there's a three car operation at Michael Waltrip racing that could have been going forward. But Rob Kaufman said, I'm tired of throwing good money after bad. Let me throw a little bit at Ganassi, but he gets his name on the door. But I mean, how much, how much more improvement did Rob Kaufman bring to the Ganassi team that he could have kept going at Michael Waltrip racing? I think Toyota's, um, they've got a lot of great drivers. They could have, I think, um, X is finding the right place for him if he's happy with a Toyota. But, I mean, I really think if you were Truex and Cole Pern and you're bringing a pretty much half a season-sponsored car, I, I'm taking my chances going over to Stuart Haas because you look, they're, they're beating the car. Whatever car he's going into at Joe Gibbs Racing, it is not as good as any of the four Stuart Haas cars because it's not in the 18 camp. Mm.
1: That team was running real strong, though, with Carl Edwards. I mean, they almost won a championship three years ago with Carl. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the inexperience of Suarez, and they kind of did kind of like what they did with Tony Stewart when Tony left. They rushed the next kid up way too quickly. A lot of it had to do with sponsorship, but they rushed up Suarez, I think, in my opinion, a, a year or two too soon, and it, it, it hasn't worked out. I think Truex looks at it, and it, it could upset the apple card there at Gibbs because he was first in line at, at obviously at furniture racing. no question. He was the premier driver there, Barney had a boatload of money and fully fully backed and he was first in line there. He's going to end up second or third. you know Hamlin is a tremendous driver he's a nut job, but he's a tremendous driver and Kyle's been there just as long as De- you know Denny's been there longer than Kyle, and Kyle's probably the premier driver right now, but Denny is right there second and if he feels like he's getting shortchanged there by the 19 and Truex and the way that that car starts – if it starts to beat them next year with Truex and Cole Pern, Denny's going to be going, hey, I got a full season with FedEx here. They're very loyal to Joe Gibbs, and I've been here since 2006, and you're screwing me? I don't think so. So a lot of things can happen there with, with bringing Truex in for sure. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Well, Lee, I want to thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Uh, hey, wait! Awesome before you run, your, Lee, your take.
0: Clayton, Before we let Lee go, I have a question for him. When you say about Suarez being ticked off about the way Gibbs is and, the, and lately, and with the openness about being frustrated with the position, how much do you think it is different if JD Gibbs hasn't had his uh, health issues and is back as president? Because Joe was basically he comes say the prayers, he listens on the radio, and waves to everybody. And it was J.D. Gibbs running the show then. And it just seemed like it was a more fine-tuned, fine-oiled machine when J.D. was running the show. And since J.D.'s had his health issues, it doesn't seem like Gibbs has had the full go-around like they used to. I don't know if anything changes, to be honest with you, John. This is a
1: sheer money deal. Uh, you know, you look at Joe Gibbs Racing, and you, you we've been saying this for a while, kind of – Kind of tongue in cheek, half heartedly laughing about it, going, "How long is Joe Gibbs going to allow? How long is JGR going to allow the '78 to kick their heads in as a as a, as a you know a, a satellite team?" Hendrick kind of told Stuart Haas to go take a walk because SHR was Harvick, most notably, was beating their heads in every week and saying, "Hey, you know what? We we're not gonna we're not gonna." And we said that about Hendrick too. How long are they going to allow Stuart Haas to do this? They're they're an affiliated team, and you look at it and you say, what the '78." Um, you know they're saving; they don't have to spend the money on the development of the chassis. They don't have to spend the money on building the chassis. They don't have to spend the money on the fabrication of the chassis. All of that comes from Joe Gibbs Racing, who's spending the money to do it, and they're giving you five million dollars as an alliance, and, and beating your brains in. And you're looking at and Joe Gibbs Racing going, "What the hell are we gaining from this? You know, with, with an added car? That's ridiculous. You know, so I think nothing. And I think whether or not Joe was there or JD was there. The same thing would have happened. I think they would have said, you know what? We're tired of the 78 beating us, beating our brains in. Let's let's take their money. Let's take the sponsorship. Let's up the ante and say, hey, we're going to charge you $8 million because this way we're making a little bit of money off you. If you want to beat our brains in, pay for it, and at least we're making some money the, you know, rather than a $4 million uh, alignment and looking at it and saying, hey, we're not making any money off this deal, and they're beating our brains in. Let's make a little money if they're going to beat our brains in. I think anybody would have made that move. I think it might have even happened earlier if there was a younger guy who probably would have seen it sooner than Joe running the show, honestly. And I can't blame him. That's the business. And, you know, I think Martin's bringing Bass Pro over there. I think Aris is going to stay sponsored. I think that's part of the reason why uh, Daniel's so pissed off is Aris is going to stay sponsored. I think part of the deal with with Gibbs when they wrote up the contract in it was not, hey, Daniel Suarez has to be the driver here. They're locked in with Gibbs, with Aris, and Daniel is going to get some money back. But I think part of it has to do with the fact that not all of that money is following Daniel, and he was the one that brought him from Xfinity, brought Carl Slim to Gibbs and Toyota, and you know was behind the whole deal and funded Carl Edwards for two seasons there. And Daniel's furious that RS is staying there. They're signed in the contract, and maybe his people didn't look at the contract and really realized, hey, we got a raw deal here from Joe Gibbs Racing, and RS is going to stay sponsored with Truex. Without me driving the race car, I think that's most of the reason why Daniel is irate about what's going on there. And if he wasn't, he'd be in that 95 car. So, you know, he had no – he's like, I'm not driving that car. He's going – maybe the 41, I hope that's where he went, winds up. It could resurrect his career, but I don't think there's as much money behind him as there was at Gibbs. And I think that's part of the reason why he's so furious and probably had to take a major pay cut to drive the 41 this year, next year. Yeah, listen – No doubt. I I, I agree with everything you just said, Lee. It was uh, spot on for sure. Thanks so much for joining the show, everybody out there. We'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.